In Native American legends, sinister creatures stalk the dark wilderness, taking the form of predatory beasts or even the faces of people you love. But could this terrifying lore be more than skin deep? Today, we're sharing stories about skinwalkers. Welcome to Shadowland, everybody. Welcome. This is a podcast that shines a spotlight on stories of the supernatural, mysterious, eerie, and unexplained. Stuff like forest mimics. Mars anomalies. Doppelgangers. Parallel dimensions. Vampires. Ancient underground alien colonies. Black-eyed kids. Reptilian overlords. Ghost ships. Wendigos. People married to ghost pirates. Road trolls. All that stuff. All that stuff and more. Lots more. I'm Christina Callery. And I'm Seth Jablon. And today we're doing stories about... Skinwalkers. Skinwalkers. This one's been a long time in coming. Yeah, no, I feel like it's been like in our intro bunch. <laughs> like we just yeah, never... Totally. Never we've had it. it. We've had it like in the docket for a while on the calendar and yeah. I've been meaning to do it and I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. I mean, I definitely knew very little about it. Not that I know a bunch now, but like, like it was definitely like, I, I think I was introduced to it. Like a lot of people probably in our audience through like, you know, the Skinwalker, Skinwalker Ranch stories and all that. But, um, I definitely took like a dive into, you know, some of the legend behind it and then kind of like looked at that whole thing sort of, you know, as a sort of part of the human experience. So um, I think it should be an interesting discussion. Awesome. So. I, can't, I can't wait. Yeah. Well, I guess should we just it's like be jump a good right one. into it then? <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Okay, cool. Okay, so just starting with like, what is a skinwalker, right? So a skinwalker is traditionally a sort of rogue witch or sorcerer that has become attracted to the dark side of their art and who also has the ability to transform or possess or otherwise disguise themselves as some kind of animal. Right. Or in right? some cases, it can be uh, other, like, people that you know. Right. It can take on more, more than one form. But right. tr- traditionally, it's like, a, uh, like some type of animal. But, yes, it can, it can appear as, um, as other people or as you. Um, so, okay, so the term skin marker itself comes from the Navajo... Yi Nalushi, Nalushi, okay, almost. Good effort. Which, which literally translates to, by means of it, it goes on all fours. Ugh, that's that's like, that just gave me the chills. That's even creepier know, than like, Skinwalker, which is super creepy. Yeah, I mean, I think it like the wording is really weird, but I feel like it's suggesting that you know, like it it doesn't have to go on all fours, but does. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like by its own sort of intention or means it it goes on all fours. So, um, in Navajo culture, um, they're a specific type of antalahini, 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 something like that. Okay. So these are types of witches that are in essence a kind of antithesis of a healer or medicine man or woman. Um, they're seen as evil, corrupt, and twisted by their perverse magic. 
So they're not any kind of shaman or healer. Um, they work not to heal the community, but to use their magic to their own ends. So it's almost like their their quest for power, like you see over and over again in mythology, has kind of corrupted them. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of them. I don't think that. Well, I, so you know, there's obviously a lot of sort of legends that we're not sort of privy to, right? Like the understanding of what this really means in Navajo legend, it's it's incomplete, right? And I think there's a lot of reasons due to that. And one of them is there's just sort of a general reluctance to discuss these things with outsiders, right? And an understandable desire to sort of protect their own sort of culture. And so in that vacuum, there's a lot of misunderstanding, right? And so I think JK Rowling put him in like some story and she did it poorly. And, you know, there was, there was a stir about it and, you know, um, I think there's, isn't there also kind of a belief that almost like talking about them can summon them? Oh man. I believe I've heard <laughs> that before that. too. No, I know. Like it's a little late to the game no, <laughs> for no. me to mention that. <laughs> um but yeah, so I don't I don't think it's like shaman turned bad. I think these are people that go down a road on purpose, right? Like that that was the gist that I got, right? With the little with the little um knowledge I have. So um I think one of the distinctions I would make here is that often these things, um, you know, myths and legends, they're removed from their context, right? And so they often then become, in pop culture, characters of themselves that sort of promote fantasy. And it's not the sort of like deep and profound and very real phenomena um, and beliefs that can come from a culture, you know, and in this case, especially one that is ancient and now marginalized, right? So we have to take all this with sort of like a grain of salt, right? Like this is all sort of, um, you know, this you know, the best I was able to sort of put together, but there, there's definitely a, a deeper current here. Um, so, um, you know, the concepting of shape shifting, although it, it's an old one, right? So whether it be as a shaman or a sorcerer or a witch or even a warrior, um, the transformation into an animal is often integral to the experience, right? So whether this is in a dream or, or a visitation, or literally changing into one, um, it's part of the communication and intercourse and drawing upon of the spiritual world, right? And animals are often drawn upon for their power in life or death situations, right? Such as in healing, or like I said, in warfare. So to create this transformation into animal, in this case, right, like in the case of the skinwalker, the subject often um, adorns themselves with the pelt of an animal they wish to embody though this is not always necessary. Um, they then become it either psychologically or, you know, in legend, in fact, physically. Okay, so this is called theranopathy, thropy, theran, therian, therapy. I should look if I can look these up at a time. I'm sorry, uh, I, I can't be of any assistance there. <laughs> Therianthropy. Therian, ther, Therianthropy. Therianthropy. Just, I'm just... Together. Um, or shape-shifting, right? And so this is the ability to quite literally become another animal. So the skinwalker, um, however, p possesses other powers as well. Um, they can practice telepathy, read minds, control thoughts, create illusions, cause illness, and even death. Um, and they're said to even be able to take control of your body by making eye contact with you. And this is referred to as face stealing, but I think there's, you were mentioning that there's even more sort of stories around that, um, wow. this idea of face stealing. But face stealing. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's interesting. It's very creepy. 
So being initially trained in the healing arts, right? Like they already know the medicine and the mind, and the body, but they use it for evil purposes. Um, and there's talk of a, um, an initiation into the dark arts of the skinwalker that some transgression must be undertaking, right? Like the killing of a person, um, even one of the skinwalkers family, sometimes a sibling. So oh. it's like this very, like, like I said, like sort of like intentionally, um, uh, sort of evil undertaking. Um, okay. So shapeshifters, like I said before, this concept of changing into a particular animal, um, pervades in, in a lot of other folk religions, right? Some we've even discussed on the show, but I'm just going to like talk a, a, about a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, the noggle in Mesoamerican culture, like pan Mesoamerican, right? This is like more than one, um, culture. There's, uh, a being called a noggle that can transform into a jaguar specifically. And I think it can transform into other things, but I think that's sort of the central, um, depiction, but unlike the skinwalkers, noggles can use their power for good or evil according to their sort of personality or purpose. Um, and then there's the berserker, right? We, I think we've, we've touched on the berserker here before. Um, you know, the berserker. Yeah. Yeah. We, there's a comparison to the Norse berserker. So do, do you know what it kind of sounds, I'm sorry. It's kind of sounds like, like the craziest ride at the amusement park. <laughs> it's Cedar yeah, Point. Well, there's a reason for that, right? <laughs> there's a reason for that. Like that, that word has then now taken on its own meaning, right? Which is like to enter this sort of wild state of fury or to go crazy essentially, right? To mm-hmm. go berserk. But the word berserk actually has a very, very specific origin. So the berserkers, um, they used to put on bear skins and then along with ingesting mushrooms and holding ceremonies and doing rites and I think in some cases drinking like uh, um, alcohol, alcoholic beverages or whatever, um, they, they do this to sort of like work themselves up before going into battle. And they literally would embody the ferocity uh, and literally channel the spirit of the bear. So the word berserk, berserker itself translates to bear shirt. So to literally they would put on the skin, <laughs> right, and become a bear and go into battle huh. and just like go fucking crazy and kill some people. Um, so, um, so to go berserk was to hamask, which means to change form and in this state enter a state of wild, sorry, in this case, enter a state of wild fury. So, so like wildly different cultures, right? But a very similar concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, um, another animal, rightly or wrongly, that often does emerge, sort of taken on a life of its own, is the wolf, right? So yeah. a lot of the werewolf stories of antiquity that I read, um, you know, seem to echo this process of embodying a wolf, and in some of the stories, like people would literally, they were about just, you know, human beings, regular people that um, would go crazy. And like, there's like some in like France, like these guys coming into yeah. a village and like literally like murdering a bunch of people and like eating them. Right. We and need some, to do a whole werewolf episode because <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's we'll enough there for sure. For sure. For sure. But like some of them, you know, would sort of cannibalistically eat people. Um, and sometimes they would even, again, put on this this sort of pelt of uh, of a wolf in doing so. So, but we'll yeah we'll do a whole episode about that. So again, rightly or wrongly, it's no surprise that the legend of the skinwalker then is then often conflated with that of the wolf 
or the werewolf. Which leads us to our next story, the story of Skinwalker Ranch. Oh my okay, God, yes. So, <laughs> so uh, now, I mean, so let's, this is probably one of the more popular or well-known, at least in our day and age, uh, um, legends associated with Skinwalkers, right? And um, it's about this very particular ranch called now Skinwalker, Skinwalker Ranch. Um, it was previously known as Sherman Ranch because of the Sherman family that lived there. Um, and it's it's basically a piece of property located in Utah um, that is home to some legendary paranormal activity. So, um, you know, it's a bit unclear exactly where this moniker comes from, right? So there are reported sightings of these, like, human, weird human-like creatures, sightings of giant wolves, um, and that tends to evoke the yeah, like name. bipedal dogs, dog-type Yes, like creatures. sort of dog, right, the, the sort of dogmen. Um, and so all that just goes to sort of evoke the name. But either way, no doubt that this sort of context draws on the history of the land which and its subsequent curse, right? So the, the curse um, um, comes from the fact that the ranch itself borders the Ute um, Indian Reservation, and it's about 400 miles north of the Navajo Nation. So many moons ago, when the Utes and the um, Navajo did cross paths, um, uh, it was a caustic relationship, right? So, um, you know, there was, a, there was a lot of fighting, there was, there was conflict. Um, and then, you know, ultimately in this place, the land was said to have been um, cursed by a, one or both of these uh, tribes. So Historian Sandra Jones, author of Being and Becoming, uh, Ute, explains uh, it was not um, friendly. Uh, actually, it might be Ute, sorry. Um, it was not friendly. The Navajo were more aggressive people. They took slaves. They had Ute slaves. And there was a direct conflict when the Navajo attempted to move up to Ute territory um, at modern-day Pagosa Springs in Durango, right? So this is a place of, like, you know, literally like tainted and cursed, you know, with, with ancient Native American um, beef, basically. So there's a negative energy, right? That that that's kind of what everyone sort of talks about. Like, you know, even aside from the sort of paranormal stuff, that it's just a land that the the, the water there is said. To, I think there's a river that goes through it. The water is said to be sort of um, uh, uh, cursed or tainted or whatever. Um, so. It has its, this sort of like long history. Fast forward much later in the land's history, the Sherman family took possession of the ranch. Um, during their time there, they were said to they were often terrorized by the shadowy beasts who would stalk around the land. Um, and so they said they came into contact with large animals with piercing red eyes, and after having fired upon them with multiple times, um, believed that they're actually impervious to to bullets. So, I feel like no matter what, if something has red eyes, it's uh, time to run away. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the glowing red eye thing, right? Like it's not just like red colored eyes, but it's often like this glowing. It's glowing. like, like Mothman. Mothman. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I watched the Mothman prophecies for the first time the other night. Oh, you did really? Yeah. What did you think? It was great. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, Scientist Jim Segala describes the encounter. Um, there's a story where a giant wolf 
came in off the plains and a group of calves were in a pen. The wolf put his head through and started pulling one of the calves out of the fence. Mr. Sherman went inside and got a weapon and started shooting the wolf. It didn't do anything, so he went back to get a bigger gun, and then the wolf dropped the calf. So wait, he shot at the wolf with like a smaller, like a rifle of some kind, and then it it didn't even phase it. Didn't phase it, it. so he goes back to get a bigger gun, (laughs) thinking that that's going to do it, right? Um, But nevertheless, the the wolf dropped the calf and um, said, you know, the animal was strong enough to withstand eight shots. Um, They chased it to the border of the property. Um, When it got into a river, there were prints on one side of it, but it seemed to vaporize by the time it reached the other side. Right. So these creatures act very strangely. Right. There's a lot of this sort of like coming. So it it, it basically disappeared. Yeah. It it vanished in the middle of the river. And took eight shots, and I'm assuming probably this guy would have been a pretty decent shot living in this area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I I feel like also at, like, close range, right? Like, this thing is, like, right up there. Like, you know, I'm sure they're, you know, they've had encounters with wolves before. I'm sure they've had encounters with predators and, you know, things coming up. But it's, it's literally up at their fence. So this thing's, like, close range. He's firing at eight times, right? Like, like he said, like he probably knows how to handle a gun, and you know, unlikely that he missed all eight times. Um, and, and this is not the only time that people have shot at uh, um, things on the ranch that it didn't seem to have any effect on. So um, Sherman and his wife Gwen um, had many other experiences than this, right? So this is just one of the examples, and one of the ones that sort of put up as. Um, you know, why we call it Skinwalker Ranch. Um, but um, there was there's a lot of other experiences that happened here. Um, so they shared some of those experiences in the summer of 1996 with a local reporter saying that they had seen strange crop circles, that they'd seen UFOs, um, and more chillingly, uh, the, the um, mutilation of their cattle. And this was like a very specific thing at that time where like, they were saying they were talking about how it was like surgical and bloodless. That's crazy because it's yeah, go ahead. exactly what they say about like supposed alien you know, interaction yeah. with cattle. Yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's definitely associated with it here, mm-hmm. right? And and I can't remember. I feel like I saw. I can't remember if it was a documentary specifically about Skinwalker Ranch or just some of the cattle mutilations out there, but they're, they're crazy. Like, like whatever's doing, like, this is a thing that happens, right? Like that's a fact that that happens out there. What, why is definitely a question, but the like details around some of these, these um, mutilations are crazy. Like they'll find a carcass that's been like removed of its skin and there's no blood on the ground. Right. And there's no blood in the body. So something's able to remove all of the blood without spilling any of it. Right. Like almost like it's like taken away, (laughs) removed of its blood and then put back. Right. Like not one drop on the ground, not one drop inside the body. And and the other thing is that it's very surgical, like parts of like the heads will be removed or things like that. Body parts will be removed the way that it's like it's not like torn to shreds like as if by like a wolf or a predator but it's like literally just like peeled back like butchered essentially hmm. 
And so I think, you know, a lot of the... the like there's, the, there's an intent behind it. Like there's an intent behind it. Beyond just like ravenously devouring it. Right. And so a lot of people believe that, that whatever is being done to these animals is not being done on that ground. Right? Like literally they're being taken away, then butchered, then put back. Right? Like the sort of empty carcass. So... Um, anyways, that that's definitely one of the things that that's happening on this ranch. Um, additionally, their teenage son and ten-year-old daughter had their own experiences, um, and they reported seeing a number of lights and crafts in the sky around the ranch. Um, one with a small box-like craft with a white light. Um, there was another forty-foot-long object that that was said to be the size of several fo- football fields. There's also a mysterious orange light that emerged from a circular doorway that seemed to float in midair, right? That was my favorite one. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, they said there so, was this so, like... Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. back up. Say that again. Okay. So picture this, like they're out like, you know, this is at night, right? So they're out like in some field somewhere right? or where, somewhere on the property and they see a doorway open up in the sky, essentially, and it's circular, like a disc and that it almost like a portal, the, like a portal. Okay, like so it, emits, it wasn't a doorway that was on their property that was somehow levitating. It was in the sky, some yeah. kind of but but a clear circular circular door opens up. Oh my god, that'd be so cool to see, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like clearly, they're calling it a they called it a doorway. So clearly, it had a three dimensional quality to it, mm-hmm. right? Like it and you wasn't can see just beyond like a flat it. disc of right. light. What's that? You could see into it. Yeah, to some degree they must have. Well, they said it was, you know, emitting this orange light, but still it's like must have been a bizarre sight. So um, apparently they filmed some of these occurrences, but I I couldn't find them. Um, So there were further encounters, right? So finally the um, Shermans eventually got fed up and they sold the ranch to American businessman um, Robert Bigelow. And so Bigelow, I think just the year prior had... Is that the guy that has the uh, uh, the skincare line? <laughs> like the apothecary in New York? Probably not. No, I don't think... Oh, wait. But That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Those two like, are linked. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, he was like... He, he, I think he's like an aerospace guy. Okay. So I, I don't know. He had done a bunch of... He's like one of those people that did like a bunch of stuff. But like, I think he had actually done some real stuff but then was sort of preoccupied I think had some success and became preoccupied with sort of the paranormal and so the year prior he had actually founded um, the National Institute for Discovery Science wait National Institute for Discovery Science yeah that, that's odd wording but that's that's what it's called um, basically he founded this program to research and advance the study of paranormal phenomena and UFO activity. So they, you know, they set up a bunch of equipment on the land um, and record everything, right? Like that's basically, they set up like a control center, but you know, basically, you know, it's just like anytime like ghost hunters go into a house and try and record some shit, it's usually not really fruitful, which it largely wasn't. So this phenomena that was occurring was a selling point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He bought yeah, yeah. it because of this. Because of this. Exactly. Right. Yeah. To t- he set up his institute. I, th- I, 
I think he had already he had already founded it. So I don't know. I think they set up some sort of camp there or whatever. But basically, you know, a lot of people, including I think some of them, believe that the site is some kind of um, interdimensional doorway used by alien shapeshifters, right? Um, and you know, there's also theories about it being home to military black budget projects. Um, you know, and uh, there's there's other um, stories about how you know they, they did a lot of nuclear testing out there, right? So the whole place is supposed to be like fucking radioactive, right? Like it's not like it's not like a good place. Alien, cur- uh, sorry, uh, Native American curses, you know, uh, um, you know, radioactive ground. Uh, and aliens hanging out. Like it's got, it's got a little <laughs> bit of everything. It's got, it's got something a little, for everyone. Sprinkling and everything, right? So, so, mm-hmm. but like I said, it was largely not very fruitful for him. But some people do report uh, experiences there during that time. So, biochemist uh, Colm Keller, um, who was working at Bigelow's um, National Institute for Discovery Science said he saw a large humanoid creature spying on a research team from a, from a tree. So they're out there like doing their research and they, they see this like large humanoid sort of like laying down in a tree. It was approximately 50 yards away from them and just sort of watching them and like about 20 what, feet up. So basic kind of like on a limb, like sprawled yeah, like out on, on a limb. limb, like a giant cat would do or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So here, here, it is, here it is in his words. Um, the large cl- creature that lay motionless, almost casually in a tree. The only indication of the beast's presence was the penetrating yellow light of the unblinking eyes as they stared fixedly back into the light. So that's fucking creepy, right? Like, yeah. So, so huh? Just a little bit. Just a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So true to form, right? They're they're in Utah. They're on a ranch. So someone grabs a gun and starts shooting. At <laughs> I just love the like idea, of, like <laughs> the automatic of well, yeah, just like like they're a bunch of scientists supposedly, right? Like right. they're like kill it, you know. So mm-hmm. they start shooting at. I guess they're freaked out. I don't know, but I mean, I guess that would be pretty freaky if there's some like motionless figure laying in a tree, staring at you with penetrating yellow light eyes like that's I guess that's cause to like arm yourself but I don't know I might have tried to talk to you first um okay so Keller uh fired at the creature with a rifle um it disappeared it was then this is in his words again um it was then that I saw it a single obvious oval track about six inches in diameter embedded deeply in a patch of snow it looked unusual, a single large print in the snow with two sharp claws protruding from the rear of the mark going a couple inches deeper. It almost looked like a bird of prey, maybe a raptor print, but huge, and from the depth of the print, from a very heavy creature. Right, so it's like sort of an odd description, but I think it's like kind of like talon-like, right? Like, so, so the, the, there's claws in the back of the foot, and maybe big one, so kind big of one like going a bird, forward or something? A like bird a bird type creature. Yeah, exactly. Although they didn't describe it that way, but that's definitely the track that it that it left. So 
a lot of wild stuff going on there. There was like accounts by the security guard. There's just like all kinds of crazy shit going on, but they don't really get much, you know, on camera recorded in any sort of significant way that can be like, okay, yeah, here's definitely like what's going on. So in 2016, um, Bigelow finally sold the ranch to Brandon Fugel via Shell Corporation. Um, and then since then, all the roads leading to the ranch have been blocked. Um, the perimeter secured and guarded by cameras and barbed wire um, and basically just like surrounding signs that that, you know, seek to prevent people from approaching. Right. So they've like locked mm. it down there. Kind of reminds me of Mel's Hole. You yeah, have to wonder, right. like, why lock it down if there's nothing to be seen here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, obviously, whoever... So the guy who bought it bought it through a shell corporation. But, I mean, I think they've done some filming. It wasn't clear to me whether there was a um, a documentary that came out in 2018, but it's not clear if they shot anything after 2016, right? I mean, it takes a minute to put a documentary together. So... I don't know. I don't know if that guy was involved or not. I don't know what they're doing, but they've basically had it like locked up since then. And I think people, you know, I mean, part of it is like, I think there's a lot of people go there to try to like see what's up, you know, and there's, so there's probably like people coming onto the land uninvited. So maybe they're protecting against that, but it is like now it's been owned for this whole time and who knows what the, what's going on, what, what they're doing there. Like I said before, there's a lot of people who believe that there are, you know, black budget projects, there's military stuff going on, like who knows, but, um, you know, underground weird, alien bases, underground alien bases, like, you know, all of it. Um, so one fun fact about Bigelow, um, in June, 2020, Bigelow founded the, Institute, the Bigelow Institute for Consciousness Studies to support investigations into life after death. Oh, cool. Yeah. So in January of 2021, he put up an award of $1 million for anyone who could demonstrate the existence of a life after death. And? Well, it's 2021. I mean, it's like this one that long. Nothing yeah. so far. <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> not even a full year, dude. Give him a second. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a second to like, I mean, he was putting out there for anybody, right? To, to sort mm -hmm. of like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, um, okay. So one last bit of context to the story um, is that um, the Skinwalker Ranch is um, located in the Uinta Basin of Eastern Utah. So this area has been said to be a hotbed I love when I was reading, people love to love to say it's like hotbed of UFO right. <laughs> activity. I'm like, what's a hotbed? What's like, the yeah? That's curious. Like, what's the origin of that phrase? Yeah, what is hot the origin? Hotbed, hotbed of, and it's like always of UFO activity or or something bad going. On. Like, it's right, like right. a hotbed. Like, I was like back from the days when people shared beds and mass and. Maybe it was like lot, a better. If there clothes? were a lot of people in the bed, it was hotter. I don't know. <laughs> just gonna spitballing like, here. Yeah, yeah. Just like a whole family like made the bed really hot. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's like got to be something with like a bed of coals or a bed of like hot embers. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. like a hot bed. Like that's what you like grill over or something. I don't know. Anyways, people love to say that that uh, UFO alley. Uh, sorry, that um, that. Um, the Uinta Basin is a hotbed of UFO activity, of paranormal sightings, 
um, to the degree that many have called it UFO Alley, right? So, so the whole area is like, you know, got stuff going on. Um, local filmmaker Trent Harris, who is a sponsored uh, UFO film festival in Bickle, Bicknell, um, heard similar stories while he was filming in Zion National Park. And he said, um, you can't throw a rock in southern Utah without hitting somebody who's been abducted. It's <laughs> 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 a pretty good quote. Makes me want to go there, though. I know, for real. A lot of interesting like, people to talk to. I mean, I guess if you're like, if you've got, if you're going to build a, a underground base, right? Like you're, you're an alien and you're like, I got to go build a base. Like Utah would probably be a pretty good yeah. bet, right? Like mm-hmm. I feel like the weather's clear enough and like you can like get in, get out. There's like a lot of like desert land. You can sort of like, I don't know. You can have your privacy. Yeah. You can it's have your pr- privacy. There's a lot of remote areas. And yeah, exactly. Do your, uh. Whatever you're gonna do, what do whatever you're cattle gonna do. Right. mutilation, Cat, you gotta or, like, right. little privacy for your cattle mutilation, right? Like shape shifting, the whole thing. So abduct and probe, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so um, Ryan Lanton, a Davis uh, County resident, he's this guy's like interviewed um, dozens of Utahns. Um, who all have sort of claimed to seen UFOs, right? So he knows of a Emory County couple um, whose 16-year-old daughter believes she was um, abducted um, repeatedly by an alien with glowing red eyes. Ugh. I know, it's like the glowing red eyes. Like, that's, what's up with that? so scary. I know, it's like so... Like, I mean, at the very least, you're coming to another planet and you're learning about the people you'd think maybe if they're trying not to look terrifying they would use some contact lenses or something yeah but what's if you've got glowing red red eyes because i've heard like aliens are like other colors but like the red one seems to be very specific and and there's something just sort of sinister about that there's something sinister and definitely in a lot of different cryptid descriptions that comes up again and again glowing red eyes yeah like like if someone's like had like really it's like cool like blue glowing or, blue eyes or, or green, green eyes or if hazel whatever. hazel <laughs> yeah there's so many other colors in the spectrum to choose from, from purple I mean I could see purple yeah yeah totally um okay so so where was I okay right so abducted by aliens with with red glowing eyes you know he believes that they are out he says I know they're out there. Um, another case is of um, businessman Paul Peterson, um, who spoke about an event that he said occurs in, occurred in 1964. So this was as he was leaving a neighbor's um, house um, uh, in Emigration, Emigration Canyon um, early in the morning. He sees this um, huge craft that's sort of oval-shaped um, floating in the sky above him. Uh, and this is in Peterson's words. Um, it drifted over and down and then hovered above the driveway. As it stood still, people inside came to the portals and looked out at me. That kind of unnerved me because it was so dark, I knew it couldn't be seen by the human eyes. They just looked like people. They were silhouetted against this green light in the background. Then he received a telepathic message from whoever was inside and they asked him if he'd like to come with them 
and he said, It was one individual's voice. I didn't say anything, but answered by thinking. My thought was that I can't leave. I have a wife and two children who depend on me. Their response was, that's okay. And then the craft just hovered up above the trees and then went back over the mountain behind me. <laughs> so he was like, hell no. Yeah. And they were like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I just love that. They're like, okay, cool. No biggie. No biggie. It's nice they asked. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know we've talked about this on this question on the on the show before, but like, what would you do? Like, if you saw, he said they look just like people. Okay. And they're floating in a in a UFO, looking out the window, and you receive this telepathic thought of like, "Do you want to come?" Like, what would you do? What would I would personally you? do? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you personally do? If I were really depressed. <laughs> maybe then yeah having a really bad day and i'm just like fuck you know i I, I gotta get out of here maybe at that moment but i think in general i don't know it's a pretty big risk (laughs) yeah i mean what do you think what would you do i think you'd go you'd go well okay so i would definitely ask them if i could come back i'd be like I'd be like, you want to have coffee? Can yeah, we like, have well, coffee? Can you just take like, me like on a little day trip? Right. Can we just do like a day trip to some like galley, nebula or some something like that? But you you trust them. Off. You'd trust them to drop you off. Ah, oh, dude. I mean, I, I don't mean, know. I think you'd know that like, I think you'd have to like. Be okay with that not be happening. Be okay with the possibility. But like, oh my God, dude. I mean the one chance you have to like fly around the universe, even if it's for like a day, like, I don't right. know. I know. I know. Well, I, I think like about I that because that. I feel like if I had the opportunity to <laughs> go into space, if somebody were like, Hey, Christina, like, you know, we've got one spot on the space shuttle. Right. Can you go to the moon or to Mars or whatever? I'd be like, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I would go. See, I'd be like, ah, for, for like Moon or Mars, I'd be like, uh. No, I mean, but space if were travel, like, once in a lifetime chance. I'd go for that reason. But I don't know if it's like some just like randos in a, in a, in a saucer outside my window. I guess. Uh, maybe, I mean. It's tough because like they could, like these guys dip pretty quick. Like they were like, that's cool. And like took off. But I would probably try to like at least have a conversation about it with them. Like. Where are we going? What are we going to do? Like, can you right. can you drop me back off? Like, you know, you guys obviously have an interstellar craft. So, like, can we just like can we just like go out to the edge of the you know solar just go system? Through one, just one wormhole. One wormhole. Okay. Okay. Wormhole, like, I want to open this up. I want to know what our okay. listeners would do. <laughs> yeah, Write yeah, us yeah. shuttleandpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, what yeah, would totally. you do? Would you or, go? Yeah. If someone has gone on a UFO ride, we would definitely love to hear about that too. I mean, there's definitely like abduction stories like that, right? Where people get on, like, I remember one in particular I think about all the time, actually, where I think it was like, a, I think they were younger and this alien comes down, basically, and they're alone and they pick him up and they're like, let's go. And he gets in and they t- he takes them to Saturn's rings or something like that. Like I think he takes them to Saturn, and they they're able to like would, step outside of the craft. That would be kick-ass. I mean, I, yeah. yeah. 
and you could he said they you could see like the sort of solar system in the distance and he's sort of on the edge of the rings or something like that and he he, and he's just like i just wanted to show this to you and the guy was like oh it's cool and then he's like okay let's go back <laughs> and that, that was like the entire interaction was like this this um you know being just wanted to show it to him like i just thought that was such like a cool concept of just like I don't know, like trying to blow his mind a little bit, like trying to like, you know, I don't know, help him see another perspective, right? It's like, I don't know. So that I would do. I would do, I would do like, a, you know, a quick trip to another planet real quick for, for a different perspective. You're so, braver than I am. <laughs> so that's the story of uh, Skinwalker Ranch. I mean, there's more stories in there definitely, but... um but yeah, I would like, go to Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, I'd go check well, I it mean, out. I'd, go, I I'd camp outside in a tent. Yeah, I would too. I would go. I would go kick around. I mean, it's probably like scary as fuck though. Like, probably is. You're out probably need a in gun. the desert. Gonna, probably need a gun. I mean, that's probably why they have that, that whole thing locked up now because it's just like all the people going out there like with guns, <laughs> RVs, <laughs> RVs, like looking for aliens, looking for Skinwalkers, like. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's an interesting story because, like, it starts with like it's this weird connection of like the skinwalker and like the sort of a Native American legends. This place, which isn't this, isn't the only you know, um, one like that, right? So, mm-hmm. there's the um, what is it, the uh, the Phoenix Lights. Right, they started. They also, you know, you know, I'm talking about the Phoenix Lights. Yeah, yeah. They start. I think they come out of this mountain range that was called like Sky People Mountain or something like that, Native American so language. Like, so you know, I just think it's interesting that there's this UFO activity at this place that has this sort of. Native American past as well. Like they're like like Point Pleasant is another example, mm-hmm. right? Like that place mm-hmm. is supposed to be cursed because of uh, something that happened with um, the sort of indigenous people there, and like just bad energy happening there. And then there's this nuclear thing, also like Point Pleasant. You know, I think it's that's supposed interesting. To be like, I've never linked it up before, but do you think the uh, Mothman sightings could be? And we need to do a Mothman story, but um, or episode. Do you think that could be related to skinwalkers at all? I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I think that something's definitely conflated here. I mean, I think there's like two sort of stories here, right? Like one is the concept of, you know, whether it's in sort of these ancient warriors or shamans or healers or whatever, this concept of the embodiment of an animal spirit or the ability to sort of you know, change form, whether that's purely psychologically or whether it's happening in the spirit world or something, I think that's a very specific human being thing, right? Like, I think that's part of the human experience. And I think one of the oldest cave paintings is of a shaman who has embodied other, um, that has different parts of an animal, right? Like, something is like horns of a, a deer horns or antlers, I should say. Um, different body parts, right? Like that's, that's something that's so like deep in our psyche, right? And that, I think that painting is like 20, 50,000 years or something crazy old, right? Like, so this concept of 
embodying or or conducting or literally transforming into to an animal is something very deep and sort of profound for us and it's it shows up again and again throughout mm-hmm. human history right? right not just in shamanism but in the case of the berserker right that would like embody this animal spirit in order to to battle um you know in the case of these these crazy fuckers in France where we run out eating people. Right, like, or even like we did a, in, a, in a past episode, the Michigan Dogman. Um, yeah. The Dogman sightings in general um, where they're kind of like these bipedal, almost like humanoid creatures. Yeah. Or in the case dog of... dog characteristics and are pretty right. terrifying. And the dog girl that I did, um, was it, or do- dog women, I can't remember, the um, just a couple episodes back and... You know, I was actually reading about there was a guy who was raised by wolves. There was some guy who was literally he couldn't speak or anything because I think if you don't if you don't learn how to speak by a certain age, it can be challenging to do so. Mm-hmm. And so I think he was literally literally raised by wolves, and he would, um, you know, he would like make sounds like a wolf and sometimes go on all fours and all that. So there's this there's this connection, right? And so. You know, I think that the the um, connection here is loose, <laughs> you know, between Skinwalker Ranch, right? But there is a story there. There is a story about this being a place where these types of, um, you know, beings would go, right? But then there are a lot of these stories like that one, um, the dog people that were like, you know, associated with UFO activity, right? So like... There's this weird blurry line there where where I think there is something very human about this, but inevitably it gets connected up to this other phenomenon in some way, just like Bigfoot, right? Like I feel like Bigfoot's actually a very, in a lot of ways, a very human story, but also somehow gets connected in with orbs and lights. Paranormal. And the and paranormal. Portals and portals. UFOs and all of that. Yeah. So, you know, like maybe some of these interdim- interdimensional travelers are from like dog of all of like you know play i don't know like it's 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 all like you know conjecture but right well i guess it would make sense in the you know if there is some kind of like untapped dimension that these right. these people are able to access through whatever ritual or whatever it would make sense that there could be other phenomena that come through that dimension and manifest yeah, right, themselves, right. you know? So maybe yeah. a lot of it is related or has, has the same kind of vibe or, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think in certain places on the planet, like the the veil between the sort of physical world and the spirit world or the invisible world is thinner. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's definitely true. And I think there are going to be different ra- reasons for that. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I think in some cases it's because it's a very sacred place. Right. And very sort of sacred and f- very sort of profound things have happened there. And then I think it can be the reverse. Right. Like, it can be a cursed place or like a place where something bad happened. Yeah. Bad had happened there. I think that's true. I'm, in I the human or spirit that. world. And that can cause like that sort of. I, I think also, too, where you have a lot of, like, uh, you know, people in a, that are closed off to it, that could maybe affect it as well. 
You know, oh, what so do you if mean you have that? well, just you know, if you have a lot of just really like a lot of the population is just very material, a materialist in their viewpoint, and. Mm-hmm just very analytical and kind of just closed off to the world of the spirit. And I could see how that could affect it as well, you know? Oh, I see what you're saying. Like the, 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 right, right. The fact that like there's a certain energy of resistance or something is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So what do you think? Like, do, do you think there's people, there's like, people out there shape-shifting like what do you think these things are? well it, it's interesting to me that it's it it is across so many cultures yeah where you see this you know and i think there's death definitely something embedded in human consciousness uh you know and i think we've talked about this before in relation to bigfoot about mm. you know whether that's our own awareness of how, our our proximity Mm-hmm. to animals and you know our relationship or to our them and how past, close we know, are mm-hmm. you know and, and you're just like how how fine is that separation between human and animal um but i actually i think i and I, I i feel like i tend to fall back on this a lot but i i just i do think that there are so many credible witnesses eyewitnesses and and testimony that comes from all different corners of the world and different people from different walks of life but they are seeing things that feel very similar mm-hmm, creatures right, that right. are very similar whether it's like kind of a bigfoot type creature you know where you have the yeti or you have the abominable snowman or you know different kinds of but they're they're all kind of ape-like humanoid creatures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um there are also you know these dog men or dog like mm-hmm. or wolf like creatures that right, are kind right. of so i'm i'm not going to rule out that there there maybe there are hybrid entities out there and you know it whether or not there are actually physical species that have not been discovered yet or if this is a way for and i mean in this case with the skinwalkers you're talking about like you know, they're just flat out evil. You know, that's how mm-hmm. they're described. And they're they're up to no good. You know, you don't want to run across one when you're going on your hiking trail. Um, you know, this could be a spiritual entity that manifests itself right. as right. this type of creature. And maybe it takes on the appearance of a fearsome predator because, you know, I think we talked about this in like our, our Shadow People episode, but... You know, there's a whole school of thought out there around, okay, do some evil entities actually get emboldened and draw energy from your fear and respond to that? Mm -hmm. So perhaps, you know, if this is like something that's like like a spirit, you know, that's nefarious, it feeds off of fear. So it would appear as something that's like a predator, like a huge wolf or or something like that. Yeah, right, right. Like we see we see the world through the through the lens of our sort of conditioning, right? Like so mm-hmm. if we, you know, we we sense something sort of um something that maybe is predator like, <laughs> right? And so then we see it through that lens of what we understand predators to look like, right? Like or it or it causes us to see it causes us to see itself right? 
yeah in right. that way it, it, it would appear in that way to kind of inspire fear and it's really interesting the red eyes the red eyes. i want to say that i remember reading some accounts of shadow people or like the hat man uh no it's like definitely glowing, in glowing there. red it's eyes in there with the it, nightmares it, the... it feels evil it just feels like flat out evil you know right yeah. So I don't think that this is something that, you know, if you come across a skinwalker, you want to necessarily try and make friends. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and I mean, on the topic of then, like, shape-shifting, right, like of the skinwalker, which is essentially what the skinwalker is supposed to be doing, right, that it's a human being who's changed forms, right? Mm-hmm. Like, on that, like, I don't know, I feel like if if you successfully psychologically embody this animal like you're literally channeling the spirit like in the case of the berserker right Mm -hmm. like on one level what's the difference but it seems like the part the aspects of these animals it's kind of two-dimensional right i mean they're not channeling the whole life of the animal it's not like the nurturing mama bear or like the wolf that's like hanging out playing around it's only the fierce it's only the predator it's only like tearing something else to shreds and preying on something it's not the whole animal hmm. mm-hmm. anybody who's had a pet knows you know there are different sides and it's you know animals are have full personality so it's almost like i don't it almost feels to me like you know whatever this is it's kind of it's taking on taking on like a like a scary appearance you know in well, some way yeah. it's trying to it's to inspire fear and yeah i mean in you know i mean the, we're we're sort of discussing the stories <laughs> the scary ones right like right. there are other like sort of examples of the sort of shape shifting um that aren't sort of scary right like there's a right. famous moment in um you know the, uh, um, the teachings of Don Juan you know the first book where uh Carlos Casanata like believes that he transformed into a uh, crow right and that he's flying around and he's literally has this memory of flying and the sensation of moving his wings and flying around this space and when he comes back the next morning to to Don Juan his teacher he says you know what happened? Did I, was I actually a crow? Right? Like, did that actually happen? Like not in the spiritual sense, but in the literal sense. Cause that's what it felt like. And Don Juan just basically like refuses to answer him and is like, you know, what do you think? Right? Like, and so I think, you know, you're sort of left hanging a little bit, but I think the, the implication is like on one level, what's the difference, but on another level that like, yeah, that literally is what, what happened to him. And so, you know, I don't know if that's truly possible, but like, I don't know. I mean, there's stories about, you know, when you're in touch with the spiritual world on a certain level, like, I think the rules are different, right? Like, I think, um, you know, there's stories of yogis in the East manifesting like oranges (laughs) and fruits and things out of thin air, right? Like, right. I think there's also like, just even in, in modern Western you know, uh, dealing with grief, a lot of people believe that their loved ones can kind of affect butterflies or inha- momentarily and inhabit birds, birds or, and things yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was just thinking in terms of a skinwalker, which, you know, we know from, yeah, right, you, know, right. the, you know, the lore, it's definitely 
Definitely. Yeah, it's a scary. Uh, not like, good, it's, good it's not good. Like entities, they're supposed yeah. to be, but that like the the whole point of their um, journey is meant to be sort of uh, bad, <laughs> right? Like for like a better word, like they're like after something bad. Like they're, they're doing these sort of dark initiations. They're they're like breaking taboos in order to take on these. Like the the intention, the road is a is a is a scary one and a, and a sort of sinister one, mm-hmm. right? So. All right, well, I mean, I feel like, yeah, go ahead. Well, okay, just before go we go for it. Really go, no, go for it. <laughs> I'm just thinking about this a little bit more. So, if what you're asking is, do you think that a human uh, soul could kind of uh, like, almost like affect or possess or act upon the consciousness of an animal, like inhabit it in some way? Well, that isn't what I'm asking, but now that's what I'm asking. Well, I was <laughs> thinking about that. it a little deeper. And, <laughs> yeah, and you know, <laughs> this is one thing we've talked about doing. We haven't done it, but there are people that claim to be animal communicators where they, right. you know, actually have some kind of telepathy and they're able to communicate with animals, both living and dead. You know, different people claim to have different abilities. Um, I don't know. That's an inter- interesting question. I feel like I need to I, I need to learn a little bit more about it before I weigh in fully. Okay, okay. But I will say I've talked to an animal psychic before, and I'm not ruling it out. I'm not ruling it out. Did you Did you see Powder yet? Did you see Powder? I did didn't. Ah, oh, dude, you gotta see I it. I didn't. Dude. Okay, it's on my list. Okay, okay. There's a great scene in there where he like puts this hunter inside of a dying deer. It's a great scene, but. Whoa. Um. Okay. That's kind of my wish for Ted Nugent. (laughs) All right. Well, I feel like we did it, huh? Skinwalkers? We did it. Yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah, well, I feel pretty good about that. Like, we got some more coming up. We got Spooktober coming up. We're going to do some more spooky stories. Yeah, and we are also planning another uh, campfire special. If you guys want to send in your yeah, tales yeah, totally. from the shadows, we really want to hear. Yes. We're, we're compiling them right now. Um, we've already got some really great stories. So please send us, you know, no matter what it is. It, it can be, you know, ghosts. It can be, you know, ESP, weird dreams, whatever you've got. We want to hear it. Shadowlandpodcast at gmail.com. Also, we would love it if you take a few moments and leave us a rating and or review. It really helps us out. Uh, it means a lot to us and uh, helps us keep going. So if you're liking the yep. show, please take the time to do that. Yes, we appreciate it. All right, everybody. So I guess until next time. Until next time, it'll be Spooktober. Spooktober. <laughs> All right. See you then. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Shadowland Podcast is produced by Seth Javlin and Christina Callard. Edited by Tim Kelly. Theme music by Tim Lincoln. Thanks, Tim. 